shortened version. Three surgeries on my foot, over 50 days in the hospital, physical therapy. Now I am deemed disabled. They say I'm not supposed to walk. I'm really not supposed to be walking up here. Now you got to do something for me, okay? Don't tell my doctor I'm walking. He gets aggravated. Kenny knows who he is. He gets aggravated. You're supposed to stay off your foot. Well, I'm a preacher. It's kind of hard to stay off my foot. Well, I will say, uh, for about four or five months, I did preach from my wheelchair every Sunday morning and uh, Sunday night, and it was a blessing, but uh, uh, so good to be able to be here with you folks here today. And again, I appreciate you praying. I need to make a couple disclaimers, first of all, before I get started. First of all, my wife and I, yes, we are responsible for Kenny. Okay? My wife is mostly responsible for Kenny. I'm the other end. I, uh, Kenny and I, we've had a lot of time of, of Christian fellowship. He got the right hand to fellowship many times. When we were uh, in our family, I don't know why it worked out this way. We, uh, this way. I had three boys. Uh, all three are in the ministry, which I'm grateful. And uh, praise the Lord for that. But Kenny, everywhere we went, and we ate meals together in our house, every single time he was always on my right hand. And you know what happened when Kenny was messing up? Oh, I'm sorry, we're not supposed to do that anymore today. Hey, you know what? That's part of our problem. We're not disciplining the children. I'm going to talk more about that later. But Kenny got the right hand of fellowship many times. Second disclaimer, I am not responsible for Cassie. He is. My wife was telling me yesterday, the ladies were saying, Oh, it's Cassie, it's Cassie, it's Cassie. Yes, it's Cassie. And my saying to that, payback is sweet. <laughs> and guess what? Little Ian's coming along. You know, I had, Brother Luther, I had the responsibility of watching uh, Little Ian. And my other two boys, we were back there. We had one other child with us. Uh, she was two, I think. Every time we sat down, Ian was everywhere. We opened the door to the place we were staying. He took off. One time we looked out, and he was out back, and he was headed out the door. I mean, we had to jump like crazy. I pity what's going to happen with Ian. You think Cassie's bad, you better hold on. Trust me. But uh, if, if I can ever be in any help with him, let me know. Not his kids, but with him. Let me know. Trust me, he is scared to death right now. You know why? He's afraid I'm going to tell a Kenny story. You don't want me to? Every time I would go to preach at Crown College, my boys would hide under something or 
pity what's going to happen. They would shake in fear. I, I spoke uh, several months ago, and uh, my youngest son said, Dad, I don't understand it. You didn't talk about us at all. I said, I know. I was trying to behave. Today, that's not going to be the case. Once you take your Bibles, if you will, we're going to look at two passages. I want you to, first of all, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And once you find it, I want you to put your finger in there, and I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to bring a message this morning entitled, Living in the Last Days. I am burdened about this. I enjoy preaching about Bible prophecy. It's one of my favorite topics, and I enjoy preaching about what is going to be taking place and what is going to be happening. But folks, I want you to understand and I want you to realize it is closer than we can ever imagine. Things are happening around our world. Jesus could come this very day. But I want you to look, first of all, to Revelation chapter 1. The Bible is God's Word. God gave us every single verse, every single part of it is all the Word of God. But what we have to do many times is take the Word of God to help us get an understanding for what the Word of God is telling us in other places. This is a case in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But I want you to look at Revelation chapter 1. Go with me down to verse 8. It says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, ending, saith the Lord, which is, I want you to notice this phrase, which is, which was, and which is to come the Almighty. Jump down to verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Notice this next little phrase. And I have the keys of hell and death. Verse 19. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Now, jump over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse 1. This also, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want you to meet with us today. Father, I pray for every single person here in the auditorium, those that are listening by live stream. But Lord, right now, I want us to put aside every thought, every care, 
And Lord, I want us to meet with you. I pray that you give me the very words that I need to say this morning. Lord, I want to be a blessing. But Lord, most of all, I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know the Lord, that today would be the day they would come to know you. Father, we love you with all of our hearts. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Let me give you a quick overlook of Bible prophecy as we looked in the book of Revelation chapter 1. John was told by God to write what he saw. He was told to write down in the pages that we call the book of Revelation. And folks, I want you to listen carefully. It is not the book of Revelations. It is a book of Revelation. It is to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the whole reason of the book of Revelation, to signal His coming. Those of you that have had children or grandchildren, if you go on a trip very far, one thing you're going to hear from the little passengers is, are we there yet? That guy over there told me that many, many times. Are we there yet? But I want you to understand something. We are closer today than we've ever had been in all of history of the coming of the Lord. John was told, John, I want you to look at three things. I want you to look at past, present, and future. Let me give you a quick outline of the book of Revelation so you can understand it better. Chapter 1 is past. It deals uh, with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and it deals with his, uh, who he is, our king. Then you get into chapter 2 and 3, that's present. You say, what is that? That's the church age. That's where we're at right now. This is a time period that we are in. And I believe as we'll be looking uh, in 2 Timothy about the idea of the church of the Laodiceans. But then you come to the future. The future begins in Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 is the rapture of the church. Folks, if you can't see that and understand it and look and see what uh, John was told, come up hither. He was told to leave this world. It was a rapture of the church. Folks, I'm amazed of how many uh, preachers today uh, try to uh, preach, uh, we're going to have a mid-trib rapture, or we're going to have a rapture at the end of the tribulation period. Folks, listen carefully to this statement. No Christian right now will ever go through one second of the tribulation period. You say, why? We're going up. You take a look in Revelation, and again, past is Revelation 1, present, Revelation 2 and 3, uh, future, Revelation 4 and beyond. And folks, when you begin to look at it in that light, and you come to passages like what we're going to look at today in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
we began to realize how close we really are to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, not the second coming, but it's a coming for us at the rapture. His second coming is when he bodily comes back to this earth and reigns and rules on this earth. His first coming is in the air with the saints of God. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to give you four thoughts. I want to encourage you to take some notes and write some things down and encourage you to follow along. First of all, I want you to see the problems. Notice verse 1. It says, and this... Know also that in the last days, notice that word, perilous times shall come. As Timothy was writing, Paul was writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. He said, Timothy, I want you to understand something. There are going to be problems. There are going to be things in our world you're not going to be able to understand. And Timothy is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse the closer my coming is going to be. He gives us a list of some things. Let's take a look at a few of these. Notice verse 2. It says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. All these kind of tie in together, covetousness, boasters, proud, blasphemers. You know what it's talking about? And folks, this is where we're at today. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about my needs, my desires. That's the world we live in. I get so sick and tired of hearing about all these different generations. You know, we had the baby boomers. How many baby boomers are out there? Raise your hand. Okay, how many before the baby boomers? Any old timers? My granddaughters say that I'm old. Well, I am an old timer. But I want to tell you something. I knew a day... When right was right, wrong was wrong. We live in a day and age. We don't know what's going on. But I want you to understand something. There are problems. People are lovers of their own selves. I want you to notice the second thing in this passage about the problems. Go down to this one, disobedient to parents. You know, if you ever go... Shopping, and you're in a grocery store line or wherever it may be, you hear the kids talking. You go to schools, you hear kids talking to their parents and to those in authority, and you begin to understand there is a problem at home. You know what that problem is? Mom and dad is no longer in charge. Mom and dad are simply sitting by idly and watching things take place, and their kids are running everything. Folks, my Bible still says, spoil the child, spare the rod, spoil the child. Ask him. He got a lot of right hand fellowship. He got a lot of Uh, board meetings, whatever you want to call them. He got it. I remember one time, i got to tell some Kenny stories, I'm sorry. 
I remember one time you got in trouble at school. I had a rule in my home, you get in trouble at school, you get at home, you get in trouble when you come home. He got in trouble. Now, you got to listen carefully. I had to spank him. That word's not supposed to be spoken of in our day and age, I know that. Pastor, please forgive me. He got spanked. You know what he did? He ran off. I spanked him. He took out our back door. Now, we lived on a fairly busy road, and he started going down the road. I went and picked him up. Well, actually, I chased him back home. Chased him back home, and guess what? He got spanked at number two. Then he tried to do it again. Guess what? He got spanked number three within a half hour period of time. And the sad thing was his two brothers were outside the door laughing and listening to what was going on. And their mom was egging them on. (laughs) Should I stop, Kenny? (laughs) Disobedient to parent. Go on. Look at the next one. The third thing. Unthankful. Folks, we live in a day and age, again, it's all about me. It's all about my desires, all about what I want. It's all about me. You know, we have all of these different movements that are going on. Now, folks, listen carefully. I'm not a prejudiced person by any means. But I'm sorry, black lives do not matter. All lives matter. Nobody is superior over anybody else. Doesn't matter the color of your skin. What matters is, what are we doing for God? Move on. Unthankful. But I want you to look down. I could spend a great deal of time on so many of these. I want to move on. I want you to go down to verse 3. Without natural affection. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about men with men and women with women. And folks, that is wrong in the sight of God. I don't care who you are. God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. He created man and he created woman. That's God's way. But you know what happens? We forget God. And this is what the Apostle Paul was trying to tell his son of the faith. Faith, when he starts seeing things happen, we're getting close. We're getting close. I want you to go with me for the second thought in this passage, and we're going to hurry. I've told too many Kenny stories. I'm sorry. But I want you to notice the pleasures. Go down to verse 4. It says, Trady, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Folks, you know what our country, our world needs today? 
is to fall in love with Jesus. Our world needs to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Instead, we enjoy the pleasures of life. How many times do people go to sporting events and they'll scream and they'll yell and they'll sit there for two or three hours or whatever it may be. You come to church a half hour. Oh, that's too much. You know why? We're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, Pastor Luther, it's okay to go fishing as long as it's not on Sunday. It's in the book. Not this book, but another book. <laughs> hey, it's okay to laugh. We can have a good time. Folks, God has a sense of humor. You say, how do you know that? Look in the mirror sometime. God has a sense of humor. But I want you to notice this. Lovers of pleasure more than the lovers of God. Let me give you the third thought from this passage. Go down to verse 5. Having a form of godliness, notice this phrase, but denying the power thereof, such turn away. We've seen the problems, we've seen the pleasure, now we're looking at the power. Folks, without the power of God, we are nothing. Without God in energizing us, we are nothing. And too many times, we as a Christian, we try to make it on our own. We try to get up and we try to uh, do things ourselves in our own strength. And guess what? We fall flat. Past year, when God put me on my back, I didn't know what was going on. Developed a pressure wound on my heel. It escalated. Finally, ended up in the hospital and had severe staph infection. And I didn't realize how bad I was. Until I got sent to a specialty hospital. And I realized I can't walk. I couldn't lift my leg off the bed. I'd have nurses come in, and I praise God for the nurses. But I had nurses that come in, okay, you gotta, you gotta get up out of bed. You got to get walking. You got to get doing things. I went through therapy after therapy. I went through trials and I began to realize I can't do it on my own. There in the hospital room, I told God, God, I hope you're not done with me yet because I don't want to finish yet. I don't want to stop. I want to keep going. I want to tell people about Christ. I want to see the power of God fall. We try to make it happen. We try to get people's emotions going. We try to stir people up. 
Folks, you know what needs to stir us up is the preaching of the Word of God. It is when God says we need to do something, we need to stand up and do it. The power, we've lost it. My wife and I, we were driving, coming here. We noticed a church. I'm not going to say which church it is, but notice the church. There was nobody in the parking lot, no cars. My wife asked, I wonder if they're not having church. I said, it's a dead church. And she said, how do you know? There's a cemetery right next door. But you know what's sad? In many churches today, the cemetery is right in the auditorium. The preacher gets up and says a few nice little words and everybody smiles and everybody goes out and everybody says, oh, it was good to be in the house of God. Guess what? God did not speak. God did not move. The altars are cold. The altars, nobody's coming to get saved. No one's coming to serve God. No one's coming to do what God wants lost the power. Folks, I want to remind you, the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the closer we get to the rapture, we're going to see less and less and less of the power of God. I graduated from Tennessee Temple University Got my BA degree. I have a lot of my friends from college that are in the ministry, but they're not in line with what I was taught in the Bible. Oh, I'm friends with them, but they don't line up doctrinally with the Word of God. I could never have them come to my church and preach. I could never see what was going on. You see, they've lost the power. When I was at Tennessee Temple University, I was there during the, the height of the university when Dr. Lee Robertson was the chancellor and the pastor of the church, and God was doing great things. Never forget the very first Sunday that I was there. No one told me that you had to arrive 45 minutes ahead of time to get a seat. I didn't know that. We were in the old auditorium at the time. We were packed out. My first Sunday, I came in 15 minutes early. There was not a seat left in the auditorium, and an usher was telling me to come. He pointed right down here, right by the communion table. That first Sunday morning, I was looking up at Dr. Lee Robertson, shaking in fear as a freshman, didn't know what in the world was going on. I heard a crazy man speak. You know why? He was filled with the power of God. But I want you to look at one last thing. We've looked at the problems, we've looked at the pleasure, we've looked at the power. But I want you to notice the pride. Go down to verse 7. It says, ever learning 
and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know what we've got? We've got a generation of people who want to keep going and getting as many degrees as they possibly can. I believe in education. I taught my boys, and this is what I told my boys when they uh, were younger. I said, you're going to go to Bible college, but you're going to go to the college of my choice, and you're going to go one year. Ask Pastor Kenny about that. You go one year. After that, you let the Lord decide what God would have you to do. But you know what we've got today is people want degree after degree after degree. Now, I went back after I graduated from Tennessee Temple and got my master's and then went back and got my doctorate. Why? Because I want to learn the Word of God. I want to know what the Bible says. I want to know God. Folks, we live in a day and age where so much pride. Oh, I know it all. I know everything there is to know about the Bible. We had a dear lady church I pastored in Virginia. She's in heaven now. She was our lady Sunday school teacher. One day, now you got to understand this lady. And there's probably some of you like this here today. Pastor, I'll pray for her if you have some of those. But this lady, her name was May Thomas, and whenever May spoke, you had to jump. It's not the first time she spoke, you had to ask how high to jump. Whenever she called me, and this is what she would do, she'd pick up the phone, no matter what I was doing, no matter what was going on, and May would say, Pastor, I need to talk to you right now, come to my house. You know what I did? I was a new pastor. I went to her house. She told me, she said, Pastor, I've been saved a long, long time. She was in her 70s or 80s by this time. She said, Pastor, I want to fill you in on something. I know all there is to know about the Bible. I said, You do? She said, yeah, you can't teach me anything. May grew to love me, and I grew to put up with May. <laughs> I remember one day she called me up. She said, Pastor, come to my house now. I said, May, I, I'm in the middle of something. And she hung up the phone. I got there, and she said, Pastor, I want you to take care of my funeral I'm not going to be around long and she said I realized I was wrong about you and saying things about you she said please forgive me she said I want you to take care of my funeral I said well you need to be talking to your family about that she said I am she said you're my family I did her funeral But she realized there was pride in her life that was keeping her from serving God. I look out across this audience. There's people that God wants to use 
but your pride is stopping God. God wants to do something in your life. God wants to do something in this church. I appreciate the crowd that's here today, but I see a lot of empty pews. You know what we need to be doing? We need to be saying, Lord, I need to be doing more. Folks, we're closer than we ever have been before to the coming of the Lord. It's right there. It, it's, it's within sight. It could happen at any moment. You know, you may be here today and you may be lost without Christ. This may be your last opportunity to trust Christ. Oh, if you die today without Christ, it'd be too late. But you may be a Christian. You may know the Lord, but there's pride in your life that's keeping you from serving God. You're not going to let someone younger teach you anything about the Word of God. You're not going to let someone that you don't know very well to teach you the Word of God. Folks, you need to pray for your preacher every time he stands in the pulpit and gives you the Word of God. You need to pray for him. You need to pray and ask God to do something. But folks, we're living in the last days. We're almost there. We can see things happening all around about us. Did you know this, and I'll close with this, did you know this, there's not one single Bible prophecy that has to be fulfilled right now, today, before Jesus could come back, nothing. You say, Pastor, what are we waiting for? That one more soul that needs to get saved. That last one who's going to come and join the family of God. God's going to say to the son, go get my children. Time to go. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I don't know about you. I'm excited more than I've ever been living in these days. You say, Pastor, these are, these are horrible days. Yes, they are. I tell my people this all the time. The abnormal will become the normal, and that's where we're at right now. But folks, we got to get a burden. we got to get a burden. Lord, today is my last day. Today is what I need to be doing. Today is my last time to serve you. I'm reminded... I had a Bible college teacher that used to say to us preacher boys, every message you preach, preach like it'll be your last. I didn't understand that when he first said that, now I do. Every time I stand to preach, every time I give out the word of God, I want to preach it like it could be my last message ever preached. Folks, Here's your choice. It's either Jesus. 
heaven or hell. We don't like to hear the other H word. We like heaven, but we don't like the word hell. It's a Bible word. Did you know Jesus spoke more of hell than he did of heaven? We need to get ready. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, if you will.